Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Chasing the Elephant, a podcast exclusive to Seeking Alpha, where we discuss long and short plays, as well as macroeconomic events. Today, we have Richard Berger, who I'm going to interview about his position on Microsoft, and Yale Bach is going to join us for the roundtable event. As always, I'm your host, Russell Katz. Thank you for joining us, Richard. Microsoft recently released their quarterly report. Can you please quickly tell us what your thoughts were on it? Thank you, Russell. Good evening to you. Microsoft first quarter 2018 results just reported are a surprise to me, a very pleasant surprise that they show strong double-digit growth through all segments of their operation. This uh, includes uh, the all-important cloud, which uh, Microsoft's been late coming to in a lot of people's opinion and uh, and questions about uh, whether they really had anything unique to offer. I'm glad to report that uh, that they do, that the cloud uh, has shown uh, strong growth, now has over $20 billion of annual recurring revenues already, is uh, accounts for about one-third of their total uh, quarterly revenue, and is, is growing very strong. Artificial intelligence uh, integrated with the cloud is a very strong feature that has been adopted by most of the Fortune 500 companies already, giving the SQL database of Azure uh, features in the cloud to those merchants so that it becomes an integrated part of their business, uh, helping control inventories, price point for point of sales to idealize uh, pricing and and consumer traffic, and other features that that really lock these, uh, cement the the customer relationship between Microsoft and their uh, their audience. Uh, therefore, I see many years of, uh, of strong cloud growth. Microsoft not only has proven they have a position, but that they have unique uh, tools that, that are giving them a dominant position uh, and an important role. Thank you, Richard. For many years, Microsoft was considered a, quote, stable blue chip company with dividends and little growth prospects. Do you believe the statement is accurate? And if not, where do you see Microsoft expanding in the next five years? Yes. Looking at the change in Microsoft from a cash cow to a reinvigorated, aggressive growth company seems to have initiated uh, in the mid-2015 and has accelerated uh, uh, especially since uh, approximately September 2016. Prior uh, to the uh, 2015 period, Microsoft stock for many years has tracked very well in correlation with their dividend distributions as indicated by a a fairly constant yield rate for those. Very typical for a mature cash cow company. After 2015, uh, they started to build into a strong bubble in regard to that sort of valuation, and we've had to look at a different valuation method to, to explain it. The Price earnings ratio, a very traditional valuation metric, uh, correlates very well uh, since uh, mid-2016 in predicting uh, prices and shows we're in for longer growth. I think this all can be attributed uh, in large part to the change in Microsoft management. For the first time since Bill Gates stepped down as the chief operating officer, we see the vision and uh, and company-wide focus of uh, Satya Nadella, the current CEO, has shown an overarching model that in- integrates all parts of the business, and this is why we're seeing strong growth in all segments. I feel that uh, we can look forward to several years of coming growth 
similar to Microsoft's formative years when it was growth and, and, and Microsoft were synonyms for each other. What is your current price target for Microsoft and where do you recommend our listeners purchase the stock? I use several valuation models. Uh, traditionally for dividend income stocks, I find that my YDP model which is based on dividend distributions and yield rates, uh, provides a good yield model. This was very true for Microsoft, as I've mentioned in the past, but now is no longer true since it's uh, risen above the $60 range and accelerated its, uh, its price growth. The correlation to dividends no longer is valid as, as the pricing model. Uh, I looked at several pricing models over the last few days, and I find uh, not not surprisingly, that the traditional uh, growth uh, price metric uh, of P-E ratio uh, fits very well correlating the predicted price to the actual trading prices in the market. At a P-E of 28 to 1, the, uh, the predicted curve fits the actual pricing model very well, uh, the actual pricing market pricing very well. Based on those, just to in the hard numbers, the, the conservative dividend pricing model suggests a fair value of approximately $61 a share. When we price in still solely on the dividend model, the thoughts that come from a possible repatri- repatriation tax reform, dividend pricing model ri- rises to $79 a share fair value. Switching to the price earnings metric for, for growth, um, we find that the fair value currently uh, is indicated at about the 83 or $84 level, 8360 is, is what it comes out to on a absolute calculation. So those are fitting the numbers very well, uh, especially PE for the last uh, year now. Thank you, Richard. What risk factors do you see coming into play with Microsoft? There are, of course, always potential headwinds to any uh, forecast. None of us has a crystal ball. The major potential uh, Headwinds that could arise that I see are a failure of tax reform policy. Much of uh, both the dividend model and the continuing growth model are uh, are linked at least in part to tax reform. So we have to watch that. The other thing is we've seen uh, European and some Asian um, expressions of hostility in uh, tax and regulatory uh, approaches to Microsoft, uh, feeling that they, uh, they've gotten too good of a Tax deals, for instance, in Ireland uh, is one that the EU is is looking at uh, and uh, considering some very hefty multi-billion dollar fines and, and new regulations. The cloud and artificial intelligence, of course, uh, strong growing uh, revenue uh, segments for Microsoft is a nascent technology and therefore uh, fundamental sea changes can occur quickly that could uh, could completely change Microsoft from a, from a competitive advantage to a disadvantage. There's really no way to uh, predict those sort of things. And then finally, in the broader macroeconomic sense, is uh, the uh, threat of a major global recession, which uh, I don't believe we're near, but uh, certainly the next one's going to come at some point, and uh, Microsoft tends to, to be cyclical and in a, a goodly portion of their business revenue uh, and is suppressed during uh, major recessions. All right. Thank you, Richard, for that very interesting analysis of Microsoft. Yael, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Richard's points and in general? Well, 
Microsoft is a is a huge company, and so the question uh, really gets to how quickly it will grow relative to uh, the price you're paying. And the other issue I would say is uh, Microsoft has a history of making acquisitions which which weren't exactly integrated quite successfully. So um, the issue of LinkedIn and Skype and how well they can integrate them and actually monetize them is an ongoing question. And then the other thing would be the competition issue in the cloud space because you're going to be dealing with Google and um, Amazon and and uh, plenty of other big boys in that area. So those are issues, but you know, Microsoft has a huge cash hoard of a hundred over $100 billion, and the tax repatriation uh, that's tied to the uh, tax policy with Trump, uh, the proposal – would would help them dramatically. So we'll see. So there's a few issues on the table, and those are the things that I would be thinking about. You know, I think that's uh, you, you brought up some really good points there, Yale. One of the things that I, I think that I'm mostly concerned about when it comes to Microsoft is, is that for years they, they were a cash cow, and, and for some people that might seem like a good thing, but innovation isn't exactly something that, that you, you can just flip a switch and turn on, uh, especially for, for a company that uh, for, for years was, was really not innovating. Now, with that said, I, I actually think that LinkedIn was a good purchase. They definitely, I, I think, overpaid for it a little bit, but uh, I, I definitely see a lot of benefits from LinkedIn um, in terms of connecting with Office and, and their business products, as well as, and I, I don't think you can underplay this, uh, is the data. LinkedIn is a giant vault of information on people, and in this day and age, as we've seen with Facebook, information is, is incredibly valuable. Uh, Facebook basically makes most of their money off of just information, and I think LinkedIn um, is going to be a valuable purchase in that regard. I think you both make good points. Uh, as to the cloud, I think I, uh, I observed in my initial report on Microsoft that not only is the growth proving strong, but the integration they're achieving that gives them an intimate relationship with their clients uh, through the cloud, with the artificial intelligence and the Azure database uh, work, is is really showing uh, innovation and uh, and enduring strength. As I um, touched on, twenty billion dollars in annual recurring revenues already from the cloud. Uh, businesses, as an entire business, would be proud of those numbers, not just a segment that's that's in its early phase of nascent growth. As to LinkedIn, uh, I share your concerns. And uh, in fact, I don't understand the LinkedIn model. But what I do understand is numbers. And the revenue since they took over is phenomenal. Current just closed quarter fiscal year, uh, fiscal year 18, quarter one, $1.148 billion from LinkedIn. I don't understand the model, where it's coming from, how it's integrating, but it's clearly working. That uh, demonstrates uh, that they do know what they're doing, and they are doing it very successfully. So Microsoft definitely has a lot to gain from a change in tax policy in the United States, and, and that's actually a perfect segue to our macroeconomic event that we're going to be discussing today, which is tax reform. Yeah, would you like to uh, start us off on that? It's, it's a big conversation. We've been hearing a lot going on from the Republicans and from the White House. What are your thoughts? It's interesting. They released the tax plan today, and essentially they want to reduce corporate rates down to 20% and 
narrow the tax brackets to um, four brackets and uh, double deductions, um, the standard deductions. And um, I think the other one was uh, state, a uh, big one was to eliminate state and um, state and uh, uh, local tax deductions in uh, big states like New York and California. And the real issue is what's going to, what's actually going to get passed. You can propose anything, but the reality is, is that they uh, haven't had a tax plan passed in 30 years. And if you look at their, the majorities in the House and the Senate, probably get through the House, but the Senate's going to be tough um, because you've got um, the uh, fiscal deficit hawks like Rand Paul and Mr. McCain and, and um, others who um, seem to be pretty obstinate in terms of um, blocking all kinds of legislation. So we'll see what happens. I would. Uh, it looks like the the, the betting um, odds are that they get a small tax uh, break, a tax cut, and um, uh, tax repatriation from overseas will probably be included. And then as far as the, de the deductions and all the special interest, um, the specific pieces, it remains to be seen. You have to see what the final product looks like. So I, I wouldn't say that reform is going to get passed, but like small tax, I mean, tax cuts and repatriation will probably be on the table. Thank you, Yale. I think you brought up a lot of really good points. I think you're absolutely right in the opposition that the uh, certain members of the Republican Party will have to this type of reform. And I, I do think it's important to, uh, to talk about that. I'm not entirely certain that the reform will pass, especially not in this form. I think that we are likely to get a, a cert, small amount of it, a, a watered-down bill, I guess you could say. Um, but with the current level of cohesion in the Republican Party, I don't necessarily think they have the uh, willpower to pass such sweeping reform. What really interests me about this bill is the infrastructure commitment, uh, which was that President Trump said on the campaign trail that he was going to look to take some of the um, revenue from the remittance from cash hordes overseas and use that to fund our infrastructure, an infrastructure project, which is, I think, has a tremendous um, ability to impact the economy, much more so than any sweeping tax reform could have, because an infrastructure building package would not just benefit the economy through the short-term jobs that it creates, but would also incredibly benefit by upgrading our 50-year-old infrastructure for, that would mean that we wouldn't have to worry about all these breakdowns, and, and especially with the increase in natural disasters. I just think that, I just think that such thing as tax reform has much broader implications, especially if we use the uh, some of the proceeds from bringing back the cash hoards to use on infrastructure. I think it could have a tremendous impact on our economy for generations to come outside of just in the form of decomplicating the tax code. Lastly, I just want to say that. I have some concerns over the rally that we've been having. It has been propped up uh, very much so on the promise of, t of sweeping tax reform, on bringing back cash hoards, and uh, to an extent also to the promise of an infrastructure build. And if, if we start to see the headwinds that we've been seeing, I do, I do have concerns about a, a large pullback, um, especially if uh, the headwinds are deemed to be a lot more ferocious and the entire project just stalls. If it stalls or it seems like it's not going to go through, you definitely can expect some uh, pretty heavy pullbacks.
With that said, Yale, what are you really paying attention to this week? Uh, I'm again. I'm, I'll be focusing on corporate earnings. I've got quite a few um, holdings positions that we'll be reporting next week. The Liberty Complex um, and a few others. Looking at the uh, merger and acquisition uh, rumors with Sprint and um, T-Mobile potentially, and um, just paying attention to corporate earnings and see how um, how they continue to roll in. Uh, this week was interesting. We had um, we had Facebook and uh, we had um, uh, Apple today, and those were quite strong. So when corporate earnings are, are pretty good, that usually bodes well for the market. What I've been looking for is I was uh, the special prosecutor charging uh, two two campaign um, aspects of, of Trump's presidency with, with treason. That that has been something that I've been looking for uh, more information on, and I look forward to hearing more about that. Um, I think that that could, I think that's a big deal. I think it's a very big deal, and I look forward to hearing more information. Thank you for tuning in for the second episode of Chasing the Elephant, and please stay tuned for the disclaimer. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. Investing money in capital markets involves risk and could result in losing money. While the people on this podcast express their own opinions, only you can determine if a specific investment is right for your portfolio. You should always do your own research before buying or selling any investment. Remember, past performance is no guarantee of future results. Future results are likely to be different from past performance. All equity portfolios involve risk and may lose money. One should research any investment and make sure it is suitable with your objectives, risk tolerance, risk profile, liquidity concerns, tax situation, and anything else pertinent to your financial situation. Also, attaining or holding the CFA credential in no way suggests performance will be superior than a market index or market return. While this podcast is exclusive to Seeking Alpha, we are in no way direct employees of Seeking Alpha, and we are not directly endorsed by Seeking Alpha. Thank you.